Hi, I am Tingan, and this is the Parents in Tech Podcast. Welcome to Season 1, where we interview mums who are technology company leaders based in Southeast Asia. We want to hear stories, hopes, challenges, and tips from mums who are raising kids while pursuing their career aspirations. In this episode, we speak to Marta, Managing Director and Partner at BCG Digital Ventures. In my short stint as a venture builder, I had the privilege of working under Marta's leadership. Her energy is highly infectious and she always brings positivity and inspiration to her teams. Prior to BCG DV, Marta co-founded and led Open Agent, a real estate tech company that became one of the most successful startups in Australia. She started the company while on a sailing expedition in the Mediterranean Sea. She now is a mother to two sons. One is four years old and the other is 15 months. Hi Marta, welcome to the Parents in Tech show. To begin with, can you tell us a bit more about your family? Oh, so um, I'm a full-time working mom and uh, my husband, not planned, but I guess, you know, one of those serendipities of life is a stay-home dad and we have a four and a half uh, year old, Sebastian, and we have a 15-month-old Kai who was born here in Singapore. Oh, that's beautiful. So to Sebastian, four and a half, this is where he's starting to learn and expand his vocabulary. How do you explain your job to Sebastian? I actually don't. You just like, <laughs> I just were like, oh, I don't, he knows I go to work. And because now we work from home, he very frequently pops in the, well, very frequently, I guess most frequently that everyone can manage, uh, pops into my office and he wants to talk to my friends, which is the people I'm soon, right? And say hi and so on. Hmm. But I don't think uh, I have actually made any efforts to explain my, my work to him. I guess we talk about work and we talk about his school being his work and we sometimes ask him to do work. But we don't define, we have a very broad definition of work at home, I guess, I just realized. It's a blind spot. Thank you for pointing out to it. No <laughs> problem at all. Over the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> to explain what your job is. I'm curious. Okay, if let's say, almost like, let's treat this as rehearsal. If you had to explain your job to him, how would you describe your job? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm not going to be able to answer that question. <laughs> we can practice now. <laughs> yes, I, um, I, I'm going to tell you an analogy. It's a story. And hopefully this gives me an idea. But like in a past pilot's life, I was a management consultant. And I was trying to explain to my grandma and what management consultants do, right? So this is the kind of saying analogy. And I came up with a brilliant story. I told my mom and my grandma that um, I was a doctor. I was a doctor for companies that were sick. And I was helping them, right? So <laughs> I'm hoping I can come with an analogy like that. Nowadays, I guess um, I could tell my four-year-old uh, what I do is I like to set up Oh, this is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm feeling all the pressure. I help create new things from scratch and getting groups of uh, really cool people that bring different things working together to create something new. I think that's the... And, and that will relate with the type of things that he does at school. He goes to a very creative school where kids like build things and uh, on their own kind of thing. So... I think that's where I could um, where I could go. It's around bringing 
you know, diverse, talented teams of people uh, to build something new from scratch. That's awesome. Well, I was very fortunate to be, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I was very fortunate to be part of uh, some of the teams that you built in my short time at uh, Digital Ventures. So really good to be connected and hear you say that. No, you mentioned Marta about uh, bringing him to a school that focuses on building things. Tell me more about that. What was the journey like towards finding the school? Was that intentional? We'd love to hear more. Right. Interesting. So we moved to um, Singapore two weeks before Circuit Breaker. By then, my son in Australia have attended a couple of local Montessori schools. But Montessori, very loosely defined Montessori. I don't think it's the Montessori of Singapore. It was largely an instructor open play with a lot of outdoor spaces and it was very child-led. The children decided what to do. And we were very much uh, focusing on play-based, open curriculum and, and also, um, I guess, reacting to my son's personality. Uh, we knew he's, he's very self-led. <laughs> he doesn't like to be told what to do. He's incredibly creative and so on. So we were kind of trying to go with it. To me, the priority was for him to enjoy school mm. in the early years mm. and to foster creativity and curiosity and to develop a sense of self-efficacy. I guess he's now four and a half, so we're getting close to school age, but I'm still very, very relaxed about like learning numbers and letters and so on. And then we arrived to Singapore and uh, I mean, he was home for a really long time. We were very keen for him to go back and he was very keen to see other children. We would go on the street after circuit breaker and he would see other children and he would say friends he was very desperate for social interaction any other kid that he could see was actually a friend not another child and we put him in a school that we thought had a great outdoor play area and was very kind of open-ended and so on and we were i guess confronted by cultural differences so it was he had been prior in three different schools because we move around in 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 Australia, and he always loved it. And he started to come back from a school sad. And I was getting the updates from school and lovely people and the school the school was very well intentioned, but there was a lot of focus on on teaching the children letters and numbers and like it was um, it was teacher led maybe only for an hour or two a day. They were maybe only made to sit in a chair for that time, but it obviously was influencing him a lot. So so we decided to move him to school and we went to another one that is Reggio Emilia. And I guess all those are buzzwords for me. It's around, it is truly child-led. It has a beautiful outdoor environment, which I think was very important. He's quite the nature boy and is very inquisitive and like there's no curriculum. The, t- the children come up almost with the curriculum as they go. And uh, so we are very happy. It's a really good fit for him. And I think that the main thing is uh, like what is right for that child. There's a lot of other children I see from from friends who enjoy a structure, and they may fit somewhere else, right? So I think we found a good a good uh, a good uh, one for us and for our child. My my other son Kai at the moment um, is reaching the age where we decided Sebastian should go to school. But we don't think he's quite ready. So I guess uh, we may go to a completely different school for him. We are just waiting to see who he is and what he thrives on. 
that's so beautiful, right? It's about seeing each child as different and almost like standing behind him or her to support where, where their interests go and not kind of forcing them to be in a place. And I totally agree, right? Childhood, especially at this age, I mean, they will learn the letters and alphabets at some point, right? But it's just a matter of can they start to learn and enjoy that, that learning? I love to hear about the outdoors bit when I was starting to look around for these schools. That's also my number one priority, right? Mm. Can they bring the children out of the aircon environment uh, and actually like get sweat, <laughs> get dirty? I think that that is, it just teaches them so, so many more things outside that. So, so really, really great to hear that. Mata, I have a very interesting question next, right? On a scale of one to 10, how tired are you now? Oh my god, I'm like a seven and a half to eight. Oh wow, okay, so that's pretty tired. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay, so there's a short-term issue going on, I'm being very honest yep. with you. Um, I, so I got a 15-month-old home, mm-hmm. but uh, over the last week or two, I think he's going through one of those uh, separation anxiety phases. And after, this is what you learn as a as a parent, right? It's all a phase. Yes. <laughs> and after sleeping full nights, he's been starting to wake up two or three times at night, really anxious, right. really obviously needing our, our company for a number of nights. And so we're in the depths of it. <laughs> but you had asked me four weeks ago, I think it could have been a very different answer, but you just have to roll with it, I guess. Yeah. You, you got me at the at the bottom of this. It's been like now five or six nights. <laughs> very disrupted. Yeah, it's, it's so unpredictable, right? I also remember my daughter, like there are a few nights consecutive, she started to sleep through and I was like, Yes, it's finally here. But then after that, after a while, it's like, oh, nope, nope. <laughs> and the separation anxiety is so real, right? Even just, I'm sure as you, you would feel walking to a different room, and then they started, start to wail and start to cry. <laughs> yes. Uh, and you know, the reason why I asked you that question, Marta, is because, of course, I noticed when we were working together, you were wearing the Ura ring. So, so tell us a bit more about that, right? Are you a biohacker? Oh, a tiny bit. So I, I don't think I'm very, very hardcore, but I got into this out of necessity. So I have um, a chronic condition that is related to l- lack of sleep. In fact, it like it flared up for the first time and I did uh, a number of research and I could like totally track it back to one of my my rounds of financing and all the stress and lack of sleep and really hard work that went, you know, like a few months prior and uh, like it's very well established. So I guess at some point, and especially having um, kids and all the challenges that it presents to sleep, I decided to get a little bit serious about it, right? And it's interesting how much we count calories and things like that and how little we consider sleep, which is nature has decided we spend one third of our lives doing this, right? So in the hierarchy of things, we put it as a much more distant priority than like food and exercise. But in terms of time allocation, it's pretty high up there, right? And um, and there is, I guess our society has figured out how to get food from supermarkets so we don't have to go and hunt out there. But I'm not sure how you are going to hack a sleep per se. So one of the things that I did uh, two or three years ago, I think it's coming up to three was getting a, a device, an aura ring that um, measure amongst uh, many other things, sleep. And I'm someone who gets motivated by numbers and is very logical and having those numbers and actually managing it by, by numbers has been very helpful. I've learned a lot of really boring things along the way. So sadly, I guess uh, some of the fundamentals of good sleep are not conducive to 
partying till late night and like drinking a lot and things like that, like it actually affects most of us or like 99% of us, not just like two thirds. But I, uh, I learned those things and I try to stay good with it. And, you know, it's, it's a journey, but um, it's been going strong for a number of years. And I just got the new ring. So uh. I now <laughs> I <need> to this <laughs> hacking things. And I do a number of other stuff in, in there, but I think uh, sleep is my, yeah, my, my main focus. Yeah, so true, right? Takes up one third of our time, yet we, we hardly even give that attention. And yeah, I heard also about the new ring. It sounds like there's a lot more temperature sensors <laughs> and all of that. So, so that would be exciting. But I'm curious, was there one behavior change that happened as a result of you looking at all those numbers at how you sleep and how you rest it? A lot of them. And it's an ongoing journey, which mm. is what is beautiful about it. I learned that um, the quality, not just the amount of my sleep gets much better. The earlier I go to bed, we artificially put lights in our <laughs> lives, right? And we don't go to bed at sunset, which is what we are meant to to do. And like trying to change evolution of like a few hundred thousand years mm. in, in like a couple of uh, um, centuries doesn't quite work with our physiology. So going early to bed is one. Um, drinking right before sleep. We have this grown perception that it knocks us to sleep. It may knock you. But it doesn't knock you to sleep. It knocks you into a, a, a alter unconscious state that doesn't give your your body the chance to recover that is soon. So I was I'm not a heavy drinker, but I guess I enjoy the one glass of night before night. And I thought one glass, right? And I swear to you, I noticed when I had half a glass, right? It's like the metrics are astounding, and. Um, I guess the difference between zero and a little bit was so, so large that I think it a lot harder now when I cross that threshold. Sure. <laughs> then when I cross that threshold, <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be close, right? <laughs> but I guess um, the habit of the, which I think a lot of parents have, you get to the end of the day and you just have that glass of wine to unwind. Yeah. My guess that's not such a great idea, but like many, many more. Those two are pretty universal. So I'm sorry to come up with bad news on the boring uh, side for <laughs> a lot of people. It certainly gets all like a bummer. So, so this is really hilarious, right? So it's almost like once you're going to drink, you just drink your fill, drink your share, right? Since your sleep is going to get affected, might as well have, have a really good night uh, and then for the rest of the nights. And that's, and that's not true. That's not true. But, <laughs> but I think what really surprised me is that even really small quantities had a really large effect. And that yeah. was really... I thought I was out of that because I drank I drank it in like a lot of moderation, but actually yeah. zero between yeah, zero is the way. <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah, that can be that can be tough. Well, I mean, Mata, you also you know on this topic of rest and recovery, you you juggle so many things, right? You're such a successful career from an entrepreneur to a tech company leader and of course having two kids back at home. I mean, tell us about the conversation you have had with your husband, right? In terms of when do you want kids? Like, how, how was the conversation like? Because um, I remember at that point, you were still leading or open agent back, back in Australia. So yeah, tell us the journey on the timeline. Yeah, really interesting. I think it is an ongoing forever conversation. I think that's the one truth about parenting. We are all different, but it's constantly changing and you have to figure it out and adapt as you go. Um it's not very similar to startup life. You kind of figure it out as you go. So somehow we are well trained on that. 
aspect. I don't think um, in my relationship, I guess, we plan for parenting, like, like the logistics of parenting really much in advance. My mom, my own mom was a factory worker and I was uh, largely raised by uh, a nanny that was uh, not a safe home, but like uh, a nanny that came and worked full-time days. So I guess I was really open to having or not having a stay-home parent. I guess like my relationship with my parents is, is great. And I had a full-time nanny and she was great. And like, you know, the more the merrier kind of thing. But when it came to it for us, my startup was so uh, consuming and so demanding. We were fun, like we were, I had to do a fundraising right after I had my first child, which we knew Wow! <laughs> pretty full on to say that like the largest fundraise we ever did and like the, it was the largest fundraise at the time in Australia now they have done much much bigger races right but it was a little bit of a mission impossible let's try and make this happen and my husband I guess over the years had been changing careers and he was in a position where he was not in love with what he was doing to the point that to him it was hard to leave our child with someone else for him to go to a job that he was not in love. So we kind of made the decision, which was not a long-term decision, kind of you just only decide for the next little bit that he would quit this job and like stay home and be the main carer. And like the reality is that it's been the case since. It's not uncomplicated. I think life is hard when you are a working parent and life is hard when you are a non-working parent, regardless of the support that that you have. And uh, from from then onwards, it's, it's all a conversation, right? Like mm. we moved to Singapore on 24 hours notice. So that was an wow. interesting conversation. And we arrived here and we discussed, uh, you know, schools we just discussed. And like, we were like, we didn't have a helper back in Australia. And we were debating that a lot here. And we decided with our family and friends, with lockdowns and so on, we actually got a helper. We changed the family dynamic massively. It's a great blessing but it's also i guess for people who are not culturally used to it um a big imposition as well it's fabulous by the way like i'm very thankful for for my helper and uh so it's all it's all a conversation right right now we are deciding in christmas to go back to australia with two little kids so my parents-in-law see the kids again and meet my 15 month old for the first time that's also a conversation there's work demands there's like you know uh, how do we deal with the jet lag? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. It's all it's all ongoing. And it's not premeditated or planned as much, I think. If you can build the conversation in the relationship and if you can build adaptability, I think uh, that those are the assets to have. Yeah, wow. There's so much to unpack there. But first, I got a grab on this <laughs> one, right? Moving to Singapore on 24 hours notice. And at that point, have you had your second son already or? No, so I was okay. 20 weeks pregnant. We were in Australia. Wow. I started the job, I guess. I, I find weird to call things jobs. Like they are so much more than jobs, I guess. But I started my role at Digital Ventures six weeks before that. And wow. um, I guess uh, the pandemic happened to all of us. Mm. And we were sitting in Sydney with like, yeah, with a, a job situation, a family situation, a pandemic situation. And there was a need from the business for people to come up to Singapore to do work that uh, needed resourcing. And um, and I guess as, uh, it was kind of, well, the pandemic has happened to all of us. And uh, out of all places, Singapore is as safe as uh, any place could be. 
And um, my only, this uh, this uh, a true entrepreneur's mindset is risk management, right? So my risk management is like, I don't know whether commercial um, planes are going to exist in a few months. Uh, it turns out we managed to keep that going uh, to a, some level, right? But I guess my condition was, well, I, like my husband and my child, my child at the time one uh, had to come with me. And the rest, we can figure it out as we go. So it was kind of the important things there and the not important things somewhere else. It turns out as I did that, I broke a number of health insurances and I was really high risk of someone's uh, agenda uh, at some point. But I think that was also calculated. Yeah, I was 20 weeks pregnant. It was my second pregnancy. I'm like, okay, there will be disruptions. But at this point in time, uh, I think we can... We can, I think I would have reacted differently at a different point with a newborn, for example, or something like that. But uh, yeah, uh, you know, we went through three different hospital planning and it all changed. And like four different doctors and stuff like that as we move around Singapore and found our place. And we spent most of Circle Breaker in the hotel. But they were all small things where the big picture for us, I guess, was like we're all together and like, um, we trust Singapore as a place that do, they'll do, you know, as good a job you can do in the in the conditions where you are. So that's it. Well, I'm just simply amazed, right? It seems like you manage that so well. I mean, moving to a country, it's already a challenge. Doing that on a short time frame, plus doing that, you know, in your second trimester, it's just like, okay, so, so you got to tell us, right? I'm sure you felt stressed. I'm sure you felt challenged and stretched. How did you deal with that? Mm, I think we were all challenged. We've all been challenged and stressed. And uh, the common the common way to deal with this is like there's different spectrums, right? And I thought I was not in the worst cases out there. I was in a good position in a lot of, of parameters. And at the same time, so I had that perspective, right? To have compassion for other people who were going for much harder life and death situations that that I had. And at the same time, I think you have to have compassion for whatever your own situation is, right? Even like, so you don't want to trivialize it. You want to acknowledge whatever your challenges are. They are real. And I think one beautiful thing that happened as, as the result of the pandemic is that we, we reach out, a lot of us, for each other, right? And I reconnected with a lot of people that I haven't reconnected. And... Um, I like to be very honest and authentic in my interactions with people. And I I think everyone was um, being honest and authentic over the phone because that's the measure that we have to talk to each other or soon, right? So you could go past the like latest COVID statistics in the first five minutes of the conversation and just really talk your problems out and ask for help. And like I think that's something really good that came out of it. And, uh, you know, talking may not help solve the problem, but it can massively help solve the anxiety and the weight and the burden in ways that like I know this right and it is still surprised me how much is talking about the fact that you know uh, you know whatever was going at the time whether we were like had been living in a in a hotel for three months with a toddler like through circuit breaker and like talk to another human being and say say it aloud and it's like yeah, actually, <laughs> that doesn't sound great. <laughs> and that uh, helped diffuse a lot of it. And it, it, once it diffuses that, then you can think more clearly, right? And like, and then I, you have to trust that you will be able to come up with solutions and solve it a little bit as you go. This this is like bringing me back to startup life. It's kind of like, 
you know, there's a big problem. I don't know what's the solution, but I know like we have it in us to to solve it. So let's, let's talk about it and start doing little things that uh, get us along the way and get us closer to that biggest scary goal. Yeah, I think the whole part about just being able to talk it out, share your feelings, finding that trusted circle, whether it's your family or close friends, it's so valuable, right? Like you said, sometimes it's not about solving the problem, but it's about acknowledging it being kind to yourself, giving that space. I personally think that's golden advice and, and, and yeah, it's certainly helpful. Now, Mata, you also mentioned that you started your journey with BCG Digital Ventures when you were six weeks pregnant. I mean, I think to some of the moms out there, that sounds crazy, right? Because it's almost like you're going to mm. join an organization, especially in a leadership role. And then you're going to say, okay, I'm going to take uh, three, four months off. There's a lot of concerns on multiple levels, right? Oh, how will my bosses think? How will I handle it? Would that disrupt? Like, tell us, what was the thought process as you started that? Yeah, great conversation. And I guess um, on all those things, I guess, like, like you use the word advice just in wrapping up. And I'm like, I'm not disposing advice to anyone. We are all different and we all have different circumstances. And this is my circumstance and my context and, and my behavior related to that. But I, and it's my second child and I'm like going through a number of like um, management and leadership positions. And so I, I, I interviewed for over a, a year for this role as it's normal in a lot of like leadership positions, right? At some point, uh, it was not that I was pregnant. I was considering getting pregnant. And I decided to bring that up as part of the conversation before I signed any paper. And for me, it was a very deliberate two-way choice, which is it's not just about whether they want me in these circumstances. It's whether they are going to create an environment where I can be successful in this environment. And that was important to me. And I think that's something where we probably are more valuable and have a lot more choice than we sometimes think we do. And I think exercising choice like is, is really, really important. Like I actually didn't want to end up in a place where, where me being pregnant would have been a problem or me having another child would have been a problem. Like really it would have stopped my career. So so I was doing my due diligence at the same time. So I had a very honest conversation saying, I don't know, I was, uh, they call this geriatric mom in Singapore, but I'm like uh, 41 or something like that. I was at the time and I'm like, well, I'm going to have, I'm, I'm going to try to have a child. It may not happen, but if it's going to happen, it's going to happen really soon after I join. It's kind of soon or never really by, by uh, nature of where I am. And, and I need you to be okay with that. Because, you know, by the time that we finish all this process, it's kind of, you know, going to be there. So I had that conversation at front and we have uh, some parameters about it. I like, talk about what were my intentions and I knew, you know, that I would take uh, like a four month leave, but like I would go back full time to work. It was the second child, so it's easier kind of to know what you are going to do or not. But it was part of the conversation for me. I'm not saying this is the right answer for everyone. Right. And like everyone has the right to like this should not be part of the conversation in a mandated way. Actually, like no one should ask you about those kind of things in the context of a job. But for me, it actually made sense for it to be part of the conversation because I wanted to make sure that the place where I was going was going to support me as a whole individual, not just as a leader, but also, I guess, as a mother of two kids. Yeah. <laughs> so it's all about the candor and the transparency that 
like you did right from the onset, right? So even when where you successfully conceived, it was no surprise to everyone, and it's almost like everyone is aware about it. And I I really like that, right? And especially the point where you mentioned ultimately it should be a personal choice. No employer should be talking or asking or questioning, but it's more more of like if you want to set yourself up as as a mom, as someone who also wants to balance your career ambitions, something to definitely definitely keep in mind. Yeah. So yeah, I was I was doing a reverse interview in a way, in the sense that if, if they don't answer the right questions, maybe I don't want to go and and work there. Maybe not right now. Right? True. Maybe I consider it later. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad I'm glad it all worked out. So let's fast forward, <laughs> right? So after you had your second kid, you know, how was that like returning back to work, right? What was I mean? What was the experience like? Of course, it's your second kid. You know, you probably had some experience with the first, but I'm sure things were a little different when you are an entrepreneur, where you are the boss, <laughs> versus when I guess you are a bit more. I I wouldn't say, but in your current role, you're also not an employee per se. You're like a partner, right? So, and of course, there's yeah. different setup. But I would love to hear in terms of the challenges, in terms of returning back to work, and also how you dealt with it. Yes, great question, and like. Again, it's a very individual answer yes. and personal answer, but like this is gonna be different for each person, and yeah. like you are gonna think something, and it's gonna be something different, and like 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 it's gonna be personal, it's gonna be subject to change, and uh, like and evolve and so on, and you just manage as long as you go. I thought I knew what I wanted and how I wanted because it was my second, and like at least I gave myself some doubt, and that was good because there were changes on the plan, of course. There was a couple of things that work really well for me. Mm. One which came in the picture really, really late, and I I was not aware of this, which is why I thought I mentioned here. I was talking to other women in my workplace about my situation, and one of them mentioned they had a maternity leave coach. And I didn't know this existed. And I contacted this woman like, I don't know, two or three weeks before I was due to to go on leave. And she's like, okay, we usually start this like three months before, but let's do the crash course, right? And and it was invaluable. Just like each of us are individually trying to figure this out from scratch. How do you leave an important leadership position for a number of months? How do you set yourself up for success? How do you have the conversations? How do you establish boundaries? This woman has advice, like the woman that was advising me, has advice like dozens of us. She consults two organizations on how to do this successfully. And she and she was a life coach, right? So she, she had the capacity to take that knowledge, but also like, like help you design it around who you were and what you wanted and your position and so on. So like, look for that. I'm happy to <laughs> dish your recommendations. I'm sure there's more more out there but like i wish i had learned about it earlier and like you have a few sessions before and you have like a, a, a few sessions uh afterwards but like yeah we're all reinventing the, like reinventing the wheel here like there should be some systemic change which is why the world that she actually likes to do is with organizations not individuals so we create system change around it so that was really really useful for me the other thing at the other side is I mean, I took two weeks with my first child. So I thought four months maternity leave was going to be totally luxurious, right? And um, retrospective, I think the two weeks fell as long as the four months. Uh, <laughs> and, and I remember um, at some point, like two and a half months into it, I felt like, wow, this is going to be hard. Although I know I want to do this and I I was very convinced about what I wanted to do, but it felt really incredibly hard. And uh 
it felt incredibly hard one week. And then the next week I decided I'm just going to do this next week. And it was, in my case, it was a little bit like a ripping the bandaid approach. And I just did it. And it's, it was kind of like going back into the bike. I actually planned to come back slowly part-time and so on. And I dis- so I actually came back after three months and I like saved like a month out of like days to be able to do this in my own time. And it didn't quite work for me. So I discourage people to 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 do that. I think uh, sometimes, depending on which position you are, it may be an all or nothing approach or it may be a transition approach. For me, it was very much all or nothing. So, but it it worked itself out. And I, I, I guess I know why am I doing what I'm doing and there's no regrets about it, but it was unexpected. It was unexpected to for it to feel so hard, despite the fact that I have so much more time the second time. <laughs> So what part was really hard about it the second time? Just emotionally, mm. uh, I think. Like you spend all that time with your child and like 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 the logistics sounded unsupportable. I like that there was just a psychological mm. kind of barrier in there. And like many other things that look as scary or sound as scary, it's just around taking the first step. And like I told you, it was just getting back on the bike, and, yeah. you know. A week later, I was uh, the working mom that I knew I could be. <laughs> <laughs> and a happy one, I guess. Not, yes. not the kind of miserable one because of it. Yes, yes, definitely. Well, you mentioned something that was super fascinating. It's literally the first time in my life I heard about it. Maternity leave coach. And like I said, the idea just sounds genius, right? Like, why don't we do that, right? So tell me a bit, like, what was the one or two things that was like the aha moment that you were like, oh, this so valuable looking back you might have just missed it yourself yeah there's a lot of um tactical advice Mm. which uh, adds up to everything is around a lot of it is around communication and establishing boundaries and understanding who are your stakeholders and how you set yourself up for success but it's around being very clear about what's going to happen clear like create a clear plan for where when you're going where you're coming back i guess maybe being an entrepreneur i wanted to play it all by ear and i don't think uh she discouraged me <laughs> from like it's like give certainty to your stakeholders to the extent that you have be clear about what's your flexibility what you're gonna do or not and be proactive in setting all those mechanisms for you living and for you returning mm. and uh, and do it on your terms i think that that was basically it uh, and what she encouraged yeah. So that's good. Wow. Okay. I must definitely get the contact <laughs> to share with the audience uh, for this show. It sounds definitely like an asset that they could use. So, Marta, you're someone who, you know, super play by ear, entrepreneur, adventurous. As I was preparing for this show, I actually took a peek at your LinkedIn. And in 2012, you went Mediterranean sailing. And this was just before you started your company. You got to tell us about that. Yes. So, me and my husband decided to take a sabbatical and, um, it was it was not a holiday. It was an adventure. Holidays are related to wrecks and relaxation. And what we did was not the most relaxing thing you can do. We bought a boat um, wow. in Greece. We haven't seen it before. And we like found this thing on land and like put it on the water and sail uh, from one end to the other of the Mediterranean. That that. Um, when you own the theme, that means a lot of boat maintenance. Yes. <laughs> to figure out yes. along the way. Everything breaks at, at sea like three times over. But it was a really, really good um, good experience for us. And uh, 
I think it happened the other way around. It was because uh, four months into this uh, this adventure, we got to a point on the on the trip where we were a little bit stuck geographically. We had to like hold on, and I blame I blame that as the as the birth of my startup. I think we got bored. And like I talked with a friend, which is now my co-founder, about this business idea of hers. She had come up with business ideas before. I was the idea killer. <laughs> and this one I didn't kill. And we will never know whether it was because it was the best idea she'd ever come back or whether it was because of boredom. And like we <laughs> have the joke of blaming um, that like we were just stuck on the boat and she was, um, she was training for uh, an Ironman. Wow! In the winter of Australia, in her, you know, bike in her garage, right? Like literally five hours a day while it was raining outside. And so, yeah, we'll never know whether it was bored or not. It was a great idea. But on the fourth month uh, of that six-month adventure, Open Agent, uh, you know, started to happen. And, uh, yeah, the, the sabbatical turned more into sailing office than... <laughs> Than sabbatical, to be honest. <laughs> That's beautiful. So literally, you and your co-founder co-founded Open Agent, one of the most successful companies in Australia, while you were on a boat halfway across the world, and your co-founder was on a bike in a garage for pretty much yes. <laughs> many hours a day. I like it. That, that can't <laughs> be a better founding story to that, and I really <laughs> love that. <laughs> well, I mean, there's just so many things to sailing, towards maintaining a boat. Like, how did you deal with it? Did you guys have any hired help on the boat to support? Or was it like, we'll figure it out as, 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 as we go along? No, we didn't. But um, I think we were a good team. My my husband uh, grew up sailing, so he has a nose for it. He has the instincts, and like like he sees the wind on the on the waves and like the clouds and stuff like that. I don't see any of that, but I have been on boats before, and I'm a nerd. So like the typical picture of us is like me looking at the instruments under you know under the boat while I say, oh, there's this coming. And he's like, no shit, look at it. <laughs> like I can't see the wind, right? Like it's like, oh, it's in 15 knots. I'm like, are you blind? Yes, here, right? Um, but like that that worked pretty well, I guess. We team up. It's around problem solving as you go. And I could like be the one doing the research and opening up the boat about how to do this and we'll tinker with it and like it was a great experience in, in that sense. It also sets you up well for marriage. If you can uh, live in a 10-meter-long boat, right? Like, it means that you're going to be most of the time one meter apart across those four months. Yep. Yeah, then uh, then you know you can do lockdown. It's like a version of a lockdown <laughs> together. It is. And, and mm. I'm sure, like, internet and all that was spotty at best, right? Yes, so. which was not great when you had to solve a problem that you had no idea about, right? So, yeah, there were a few lifesaver boat mechanic books on board, but... Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's that's such a crazy story. So would you consider going on such an adventure, well, maybe not such an extended one, but like a similar one with your family? What would that look like? Oh my God. Yes, we certainly are going to sail again. Uh, probably mm. not before the kids are a little bit older, but just to make you laugh a little bit farther, about six years ago, mm -hmm. my co-founder and I bought a houseboat in Sydney that we share <laughs> and a number wow. of the startup employees have been on 
for a while. It was a more kind of um, friendly setup, like a more kind of lazier setup that we had, but it became our little house on the water where we couldn't take big breaks or do like big holidays or something like that. It was uh, a way for us to rest and relax. We always ended up talking about the company for the poor husbands to listen to. But um, yeah, so it's all about boats. And I think we'll, we'd love to come back sailing, but I don't think uh, we are that excited about doing it with a 15-month haul at the moment. <laughs> true, true. I think the logistics of that would be a little too challenging. So so maybe maybe a little bit later on. Yeah. Wow, I think it's, it's just so incredible, that, that sense of energy. And, you know, yeah, it's just so infectious, Mata. So I'm curious, right, in terms of where where do you think you get this source of motivation and energy from? Because I think that's something that, you know, it's, it just rubs off people. And I really love it. Yeah, it's... um. It's interesting. People talk about work-life balance, and I think um, it's less a balance where you are trying to allocate, you know, a, a fixed pipe, a hundred percent between one and the other, and it's, it feels like a zero-sum game. And I recently heard about this other concept, which is more around you do something that energizes you to be able to do the next thing, which is different, right? And literally having a a good day at the office working with our super talented. I, I love tech teams, right? So like it always inspires me, the people that I work with. And then I go home and I am very curious about what my four-year-old is doing. And if you can get into that, if you can like one propels you into the other one, right? And then like in the morning you are also playing with your kids and like and like how lucky am I that I can get from different things in my day and one gives me the energy to do to do the next one but I think it talks a lot about purpose and like working with great people and like I think curiosity is something that drives me a lot I like like love getting curious and love to learn and like one thing propels me to another it's um that's my that's my experience i don't know <laughs> it's not very deliberate it's like learn little by little little by little figuring out with a lot of mistakes and failures i, I don't think we've talked about that but like you know it's not a smooth ride by any i'm not pretending it's an ideal or a smooth thing along the way at all like pretty much the opposite i say but the thing about is it's so clear you take it inch stride right of course i'm sure as a founder as a leader there's just so many fires you got to put out probably you just came from putting out a few there are probably a few more you, you got to go to but yeah i think it's just taking like you said taking everything in stride remembering what gives you the energy at work it's the, the team and at home it's you know, really engaging with with your husband with your children i think that's just so wonderful so to, to kind of sum up the time that we we have today if there's one lesson you learned as a parent in tech what is it it's the um, the notion that the best way between where you are and when you want to me is just to make a little bit of progress and see what happens and they make a little bit of progress and see what happens. And that's kind of a very agile, growing, learning, discovery experience. You are, um, you know, plunging into the unknown in both cases, whether it's a startup or a new family member. And um, rather than trying to figure it all out in isolation or come up with a grand plan, it's good to have some kind of vision and values and like some principles and some guardrails in in place, but then uh, I guess if you avoid analysis paralysis and you do something and 
and you establish that feedback loop of what happened when I did that. that there was something beautiful that uh, uh, some good uh, friends, parents of told me like before I had children, I was like, how do you figure all this out? And they are like, oh, you don't have to, you just do something. And like, you can get it grown. You're not gonna, you know, destroy your children for life. You, like you have a number of days, iterations and so on to like mess up things and, uh, and like, you know, correct your approach. <laughs> so, so that, you know, that's a, that's a beautiful analogy for me. <laughs> it truly is. It truly is. There's just so many opportunities to learn to grow and to see, I like it, right? A little progress at a time. All right. Thank you so much, Marta, for taking time off the show. This was really such a joy to talk to you and I'm looking forward to hear the many more stories and adventures that you and your family embark on. Thank you, Tina. Thanks for listening to the Parents in Tech podcast with me, your host, Tingen. We hope you were inspired on how to raise kids and build companies. To catch up on earlier episodes or stay updated with upcoming ones, head over to www.parents.fm to join our community of parents in tech. There, you can also drop me a question, idea, feedback, or suggestion. Once again, the website is www. .parents.fm That's all for this episode folks. See you next time.